Arrgh, grog. Hey everyone, it's the Sideshed Podcast with me, Peter Fickling, Kerry Warwis, and the returning Matthew Weir. Well, how are you, Matthew, in Portugal's second best city? <laughs> Don't believe a word Hannah says. Uh, I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for thanks for the shout out last week. I think our listeners aren't stupid. I think they know that you fed my voice into a computer program, slowed it down. <laughs> it, it took me hours to make you sound as adult and <laughs> copied and pasted lovely over all yeah. my actual other adjectives that I used. Do you not love everyone anymore, Matthew? Oh, I love everyone all the time. Even Steph. <laughs> yes, yes, actually which side of the which side of the um the big debate are you on, Matthew? You on Team Kerry or Team Peter? Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, remind me, this is something to do with, you just said Steph, didn't you? Do you mean Beth? I said Steph. But the thing is, okay. is, is, right. They've both got the same name, haven't they, really, which is annoying. Steph, Beth, yes. and Bess the f***ing dog. And the dog, which I think they've got to the point now where they've had to recognise it and put that into the script. Yes, yeah. There was a very pertinent comment, wasn't there, by Ben, I thought, at one point. Mm. Um, so Steph and Beth, we had a bit of a to-do. Did you listen to us? You did, didn't you, I think? You listened to it last week's. I did. So Peter was saying that um, Steph is really fantastic and entertaining <laughs> whereas most people were thinking she was annoying um and i was like going oh she's horrible but beth's okay but i've i've actually changed my mind this week i hated beth so what's your viewpoint matthew uh well steph i just think is great entertainment mm. oh the longer she's in it um the more I fear they're going to water down her character because she was brought in as this kind of swinging, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what's the word? <laughs> oh, hang on. Slutty. Whore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she she's living her best life, isn't she? I don't she? mean that. Yeah. Regardless, yeah. No, no, she's just, she's just doing... She's just doing what makes her happy. And we thought Liam was on board with it. So I like her as a character. I'm just worried that... The, the longer that she's in Beth, Ben, uh, David and Ruth's orbit, the more boring she'll become. I want her to come in every now and again and suggest a threesome and f*** off again. <laughs> but I don't know if that's going to happen. Beth, I like Beth to an extent. But I, I didn't like her at the beginning. I've liked her more recently, but one thing that is consistent is not, I do not like her 
manufactured outrage at everything. Mm. And she's really starting to piss me off with that. Like she's, she's really eggy, isn't she? And I think if you were dating someone like that, at one point you would, if you were Ben, you would just turn around and say like, oh, wind your f***ing neck in for once, would you? There was the bit where he was saying, oh, well, anyway, I was at my workplace, which is famously dominated by, um, you know, women. Um, And anyway, uh, and so I was talking to some women who I work with because most nurses are women. And she's like, you talk to other women about our sex life. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, yeah. just was so she was so over the top. Like I can imagine, I can imagine saying, "Look, you know, um, it'd be nice to know exactly what the audience for my for my personal life is, or something funny, or kind of like slightly kind of wry like that." But the way she could have, like to Matthew's point, the kind of the level of outrage was exhausting. Mm. She was when Ben's defense was they guessed, wasn't it? Um, yeah, old Keely and Rena before. Uh, before he had to tell them. I mean, he's not the only archer that's uh, having a dip in his sex life. Apparently, Tom would pay good money to smash an owl. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? I was about to say, I laughed. I'm not sure it makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is, is an owl a euphemism? They're giving up. Uh, they pulled some hideous owl out, and that sounds even worse. Yes, I know that, but is it a euphemism for anything? Tom said that... Mm-hmm that they should take it to the summer fate and he would pay good money to smash it. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't yeah. dream that, but anything could have happened this week. Let's yeah, just... no, you did. Yeah, that was fine. I thought you were saying that owl is a euphemism for a fanny or something. but uh, No, just an owl in this just case. Just an owl. He just, oh, he just wants to f*** a ceramic owl. I think that was all bloody cheeky, to be honest with you. How can you sort of start taking Kathy's possessions to a white elephant stall and start ripping her carpets up and sticking bowie in an alcove <gasps> the fact that tom is supposed to like bowie bowie david bowie, bowie. bowie it's bowie isn't it david bowie i saw recently that someone was uh i can't remember where it was so you, you might have seen it as well someone was talking about the fact that their daughter was saying about oh yeah you should really get into kate bush you know and you know and he was like yes yes i am aware of Miss Bush and her <laughs> her efforts. Um, is it is it acceptable for people our age to be absolutely furious when the next generation discovers, you know, like the stuff from our youth? Like, I mean, I'm loving no. the amount of electronica that's around, but also at the same time, kind of like feeling it's mine, it's mine, get off it, because it's like there's a huge surge in eighties electronica. The reemergence of Kate Bush is all down to Stranger Things season four, isn't it? Yeah, and she's yeah she's gone to number one. Also in that season, because I've just finished watching it, is Musical Youth, Past the Duchy. And like, <laughs> my 12-year-old students are playing that at every regular interval in Portugal on their phones. <laughs> yeah, they haven't mentioned that anywhere here, have they? <laughs> no, I think in answer to your question, Peter, no. There shouldn't be any snobbery or protectiveness. And if no. people come across music in whatever way and love it, that's a great thing. Can I suggest a middle ground where you completely believe that and accept it, but then you are, you know, you do have these momentary and sort of like un- insuppressible sort of lapses or kind of like sort of spikes of anger. Um, I mean, you know, okay. I just, yeah. it just, it just, I can't control, I can't control my fury when you see some guy with kind of um, mismatching neon socks thinking he's the first one to ever do it. It's like, we were doing that in 1986. <laughs> I get it a bit because it's like when, 
an indie band that you have loved for years suddenly starts going up the charts, which probably don't even exist anymore. And yeah, you think, oh, I did like them before the populace liked them. Mm. Yes, I saw a guy at Ashton Court Festival in Bristol one year with a T-shirt that said, if everyone else likes it, it can't be good anymore. Oh, that's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? I remember going to see the Pixies at Dublin Olympia when they were on one of their, like when they when they first reformed and they did four nights in a row at the Olympia and I was in the standing area at the front and there were a bunch of 18 year old kids like they were discovering for the first the first time they would ever get to see the Pixies and when they came on I was chatting to them they were very enthusiastic I'd been the night before and they wanted to know what was in the set and everything they were jumping around going crazy and there was this really miserable old guy next to me and at one point I just put my arm around him and said look like they're 18 they're loving it and it you know what? Mm. They're not into shit music. They're loving the music you loved at 18. Just let them get on with it and kind of slouched off, I think. <laughs> I suppose there's the sort of buying your Nirvana T-shirts from Topshop element where you haven't even probably ever heard anything by them. That's a funny old phenomenon, isn't it? My mum recently gave me a Nirvana T-shirt and I think it might have come from Asda. <laughs> but you've listened to the music, haven't you? And, I, and I've met the lead singer in my defence. Oh, yeah. We should make some Dross shirts, but like fully, properly, <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, in the style of kind of like an old old Iron Maiden, Maiden shirt or something. Mm. That could be our merch. Yeah, exactly. For some merch. If you had to have some first first merch, a Dross, a Dross T-shirt might be quite a fun one to do. Matthew, you were mentioning a sad, old, miserable bastard which gives us an easy segue to who could it be? Uh, anyone? Martin? Martin Gibson? Justin, maybe. Although he's actually quite happy. I thought you were going to say, and that was me in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Terry. I thought, you were, I thought you were leading up to a joke. Also, <laughs> before we move on, I just want to say Peter Bowker, who I love, um, he did a funny tweet about the Bowie thing because he loves him. Um, he put Tom mentioned his Bowie print again. Time for me to renew my speculation that he calls his penis Major Tom. <laughs> Very good. And then Philippa Verica, she replied, going, Take your sausages and put your helmet on. And Borsuch Alive wants to know which clothes you wear. And then it does end in a moment. Peter replied with, Helen's cheese is blue and there's nothing I can do. <laughs> When he's on the vinegar strokes, does he say commencing countdown? <laughs> She's a lucky yeah. woman, Natasha, isn't she? She's a very, very lucky woman. <laughs> so we've got two we've got two directions we can go now. We can either go miserable old sods with Justin and Martin, or we can go Natasha and the babies and how lucky she is to be carrying Tom's um boy and girl. Oh dear, you've just reminded me what a grim week it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, we're not contractually obliged to do this. We could stop right now. I mean, let's go straight to oh. socials. Oh, let's do Martin and Justin. I, I did. I think we all probably enjoyed Justin's balloon being burst. Yes, his yeah. adequate balloon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, was very well done. I think. Am I, I mean, obviously Martin Gibson has given none of us any reason to like him whatsoever, but I did, I did have a sneaky suspicion that it might be a certain amount of fun that comes out of this. And actually, to be fair to him today, even though he was a complete prick about it, and he did sort of 
He didn't talk down to Neil. He did delegate a, a really unpleasant and shitty job to him, but he was actually quite kind of like a, well, I don't, you know, all my plans have turned, turned to shit, so you get on with it. Which, if you ignore the way he said it, was actually quite a, a good plan. Put Neil in charge. What, what Can you remind me what Martin said? Because I paused the episode and I was going to listen to that very last bit with Martin and Neil and then it all went wrong. So I didn't actually hear that bit. So basically Martin went around the farm and he's like, well, surely we can do this. And they're like, well, no, that'll cause disease. And he's like, ah, but we can do that. And they're like, well, yeah, that'll kill everything. And I'm making this up, obviously. (laughs) But no, he was, he was crashing head first into like almost like post Brexit food standards, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They had to tell him, no, this is going to be awful and cruel. And no one will oh. buy from us if we do this. So then he just got a bit exasperated and was like, well, okay, you do it to Neil. But as I said, like it might have been a mm. patronising and rude way that he did it, but actually Neil's exactly the right person to crack on with it. And as Neil said, he's going to, you know, he's going to succeed or die trying or words to that effect. So Martin Gibson isn't that much better than Justin, who was talking pig nonsense in, all the time, wasn't he? But he picked up, yeah, he was in that conversation with Hannah, and it turned out he knew very little about pigs in the first place. She was, mm. And then he went in and stole all her terms and tried to repeat them to Martin Gibson about <laughs> grower, growers and... Showers. Oh, God. And growers and showers. That was a <laughs> night at Cuba's in Bristol. Um, <laughs> I don't... Yeah, I don't think Martin Gibson is going to be a good boss. I felt he wanted to do a load of um, cutting of corners. I think he genuinely Mm. wanted to do that. Um, And when he realised it was too much like hard work, he did something that is quite typical of a character like him and just said to the person below him, you sort it all out then and just trot it off. So was it just a power play by Martin to sort of flick Justin to one side and actually he's not that much better than Justin? No, I don't think he's, just to be very clear, I wasn't saying that Martin was a good guy, just that he accidentally stumbled across the right solution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Neil didn't seem at all phased by it, which I was quite pleased about. It was very, very satisfying to hear Justin going in with his kind of patrician, (laughs) Rees-Moggian assuredness and to be just dismantled by someone who was even more up himself. Yeah, when he was sort of going... I have a, with his lozenge voice, I've got a proven record for sniffing out waste. And <laughs> I want to tighten up the through flow. And you think, what? What are you talking about? That was like my call from the festival last week. <laughs> well, I don't think you had any problem with through flow, Matthew. It sounded like <laughs> plenty got through. <laughs> but it was clear that none of the board wanted him because they, they decided all of that after he'd left the meeting, didn't they? Yeah, they all stayed on and had a chat. And he was like, oh, I I would have stayed on. They were like, no, you know, these things sometimes happen. We wait till the prick leaves and then we actually discuss what we really want to do. Nobody likes Justin. (laughs) Was there anyone we did like this week? Uh, Oh, Denise. We liked Denise. Jacob was peculiarly likeable. That kind of, I mean, it was implausible. His complete inability to. So, have you have you seen? Um, I mean, there's been hundreds of these documentaries where they kind of um, they take you through a kind of someone who's on the spectrum's mm. uh, way of communicating with the world and how they kind of how the, the the things that they sort of they excel at, but some of the areas that they sort of have some trouble communicating or understanding. And it just 
but it it does it doesn't ring true does it like the way that jacob just has no idea how the rest of us go about our day he it doesn't he, i don't know it doesn't feel like he's actually genuinely on the spectrum it just feels like he's a very badly written person when when you say he's on the spectrum do you mean he's playing jet set willy <laughs> oh come on oh, oh the waves of nostalgia um but yeah I, t- I mean i don't to be fair i don't know enough about um asperger's or autism to, to to make any kind of profound comment but i just don't feel like he's being written um mm. very well if he is being written as someone with asperger's i don't feel it's very convincing it's the proper archer's mallet or sledgehammer isn't it where they go we're not subtle at all so it started straight away on Sunday where Jacob was heard to say your ability to focus may have been impaired by competitive stress that was to do with Black Betty um, situation wasn't it the Ram Lambs Stanley yeah and then he said um about being bought a beer as recompense. He said, uh, yes, we've agreed that will be satisfactory recompense. Mm. And there's just this sort of like tumbleweed moment after he says things like that because no one else around him really would speak that way. As I said, I don't have a huge personal experience of it. So I, you know, forgive me for any ignorance, but I always feel that people who are on the spectrum make a huge effort to, to try and understand other people. And I feel Jacob is almost kind of like willfully dismissive of other people's sort of, uh, uh, you know, more kind of, how would he put it? You know, like when, when, when Alistair's kind of wishy-washy side was how, how might be how he describes Alistair. But I just feel like, I feel like most people on the spectrum would be making more of an effort than Jacob has. Although you could argue that today he made an effort, but all he did was play Joyce Alistair. So. There was that moment on Monday's episode where he said to Denise, you know, I'm gradually learning to recognise how you humans work and express emotion. (laughs) And I'm trying to introduce that more into my everyday life. But there is that. I mean, it was. Yeah, it's a little over the top, isn't it? Sometimes when he said, like, I was 99 percent sure. Oh, I mean, well, at least 97 percent sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for remembering that. That sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a little strange. But I thought for a minute that maybe Alistair had written those words for Jacob. And then Alistair was kind of stood there thinking, ah, Jacob's going to get all the credit here. Oh, definitely. They were literally what it was, what Alistair had said. And then Jacob Mm. wrote, it was like Serrano de Bergerac, wasn't it? Mm. You must have been in the bathroom stripping and oiling yourself ready for the pod at that bit, Matthew. (laughs) because what's going to happen probably is Denise will think Jacob feels all those things for her when actually it's the person who wrote it okay that might be when I nip to the kitchen yeah Matthew's now furiously trying to think of Serrano de Bergerac pun every (laughs) every lobe of his brain is in overdrive not Steve Martin in Roxanne no no I haven't watched that have you not no I watched the proper French one well, maybe it's aged badly. I don't know. But I think, I, th- I mean, I, or maybe I've aged badly, but I think that uh, Roxanne is a tremendous movie. Is it better than, um, God, I can't remember, Highlander? Ugh. All right. Well, there's no need for this. Let's, you know, let's try and... Let's All right, try hang and on. I've got, can, I ask, can I ask a question to both of you? First, I'm going to ask a question to Kerry, and then I'm going to ask you a question, Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, Kerry, who would you say of the cider shed 
is more Jakob, Peter or me? Peter. Right. I knew you'd say that because that's where the second question's for Peter. <laughs> Peter, what would your supporting statement be for Kerry if she was up for an award? I would give Kerry between 96 and 97%. <laughs> I have no idea why Kerry would think I'm more Jacob. I would, I would say that there's a bit of Jacob in, uh, in both Matthew and myself. Yeah, I, I thought it was touch and go, but I thought I knew how yeah. Kerry might go on that. No, I don't. I no, because I, I think, you know, I think there's a, um, I don't think either of us particularly like him, but um, yeah, I think no. there's a... I thought you were going to mention my love of stool samples and all of that sort of thing. Oh, no, you're the most Jacob of the three of us, Kerry. Let's make that 100% clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, Mimi and Max coming in and you're crying and kicking your legs out because you, you've lost count of your pen collection or something. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and Plus, Kerry is efficient in the routine collection of blood, shit and piss. Yeah. Generally, honestly. Oh, no one's better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Come visit my museum. <laughs> oh, God. That's like the last thing some people hear. <laughs> Yeah, it's like something from Royston Vasey. Then that laugh as you kick them down the basement (laughs) stairs. With my headscarf on. I bet you'd be a very thoughtful and caring serial killer if you were. (laughs) Oh my God, I'd I'd be really good at it. I watch and listen to so much true crime. It's unhealthy. I mean, the thing, the thing, and I've, I know this isn't an original comment, but the thing that I, the reason there aren't more serial killers out there is I don't think there's a sort of a lack of evil. It's just such, but it sounds like so much hard work. Mm. Like, you know, I mean, having to dig out the whole of your basement and then find room for all the man, the corpse management alone is just sounds exhausting. Corpse management. There's a gap, (laughs) there's a gap in the bloody market there. I might go on Dragon's Den. What, like a vampire's familiar, someone who just helps serial killers out, does all the admin and hard yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, that oh, sounds okay. like a good Quentin Tarantino film. That I guess Mr. Wolf in um, Pulp Fiction is kind of what he is. He's not a killer yeah. himself, but he does. Is that Harvey Keitel? Yeah, yes. but he does participate mm. quite enthusiastically in um, you know the whole process. It's a shame he started mm. doing those insurance ads. Speaking of corpses, at least Pat's not <laughs> in it this week. I don't know. That doesn't even make sense. I've no idea. Peter, she said, Pat. Oh, no. Come on. Not the jingle. (laughs) Oh, it's been a while. Has it? Okay. I mean. uh, Is it to uh, hand? It's not. (laughs) It should be. (laughs) Jesus, your bloody finger should be on that button at all times when you're in your studio garden box thing. You are right to some extent is that we've only got one jingle, so it's not asking a huge mm. amount for me to have it. I've mm. got to find it. Primed. Uh, general assets. This is ringing a bell now. Bloody yeah, hell. you always Pat say chat. general assets first. <laughs> Let's see if this is it. Pat chat. Pat chat. Pat chat. Pat chat. Right. We have to somehow get this back on track. Pat is married to Tony. Tony, Tony is um, a strange man. He makes little trains. He likes knowing the exact length of sweet pea stems to go in the vase because if he doesn't get it right, Pat will hit him. Pat discovered the the sex of the the, the twins. We had the whole Natasha Tom thing. Tom doesn't want to know. Um, mm whether they have boys or girls because of the whole thing that happened with Ren. Yeah. He felt it was tempting fate. 
But then it turned out that pretty much everyone was going to find out eventually because Natasha was quite loosely. Well, at one point, she just basically said to Tom, like, piss off and go and put money in the meter, Tom. You're doing my head. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he went out and Anya was there doing the scan. Tom doesn't seem to have gotten the memo that when you have, you know, when you, your wife is pregnant, unless it's dangerous, you do exactly what you're told the whole time. You're only, the only thing that you can mm. get right being, you know, the partner of someone who's pregnant is just helping them. That's your only opportunity to sort of move the needle and anything else is just being annoying. So I don't understand why you even tried to argue the case. Mm. All right, I might be too much of a doormat, Kerry. No, it, when he was, they were in the scan room. Uh, that's the technical term for it. Uh, and he was going, you're doing really well, Natasha. It's like, she's just lying there. What? He was too OTT and would be, he was verging on annoying there, wasn't he? Mm. And we know why. Yes, yes, yes. It's all sort of sense, extra sensitive because of Ren. But um, again, he he's horrible, isn't he? He's not nice. He sounds awful. It's really hard to like him. The thing with Ren is we've known Tom for decades now. Mm. So are we supposed to put aside decades of seeing him behave like a prize prick because no. of a few weeks of him, you know, being upset mm. and being sentimental in a way that's quite touching. It's like, no, 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 the, 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 the weight of evidence is against Sausage Boy, isn't it? So, you know, he can yeah. do one. Yeah. It also grates with me a bit that we're having to hear about the cost of living crisis through the prism of Tom, <sighs> Natasha, David, Ruth. I'm just like, come on. Yes. I don't want to hear it from these people. I'll, hit, I'll take it from Tracy. I'll take it from Emma. I'll take it from Jazza. But I don't, not literally, but <laughs> I don't want to hear, you know, David's already moaning. Sorry, I'm going off on a David moan here. But oh, good, good. Immediately whinging to Ruth about the pittance that they get for the solar panels, mm. which have been paid for to put on their roof. And then, yeah. like, oh, and then he says to Ruth, I called into the shop and Susan was grumpy. And David, I mean, he's barely sentient, is he? He never seems to occur to him that everyone he's always moaning that people he's talking to are grumpy and it's like because they're talking to you you shite <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the common denominator here is you because late yeah because later um susan said to natasha oh david came in in here swanking about his solar panels and pretending to buy something she just wanted him out of the shop yeah 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 you're quite right and also natasha annoying on that front the financer i do i must say though natasha the actress is bloody great, I think. It was really striking me opposite Tom, who I think is less great. But I think Natasha, yeah, she might be annoying and everything, but acting-wise, really, really good. But she she was like pondering over blinds, colour of decor and stuff. Only a few sentences prior to that, they were talking about how tight money is. So why are you sort of doing up the whole of your April cottage home that belongs to someone else anyway, if everything's quite so... Uh, precarious financially yeah there's there, um i did think during the week there was a couple of moments where i was like this there's some of these these cost of living comments feel kind of quite retrofitted like so you know it had been a kind of a bit of a a burnish to some scripts that were already fairly set in place mm. jazza couldn't afford a ticket to go to the borsetshire or borchester i always get those two Borsetshire is the it's county Borsetshire. and Borchester yeah. is a place. Aye. Is it? 
Anyway, yeah, he couldn't afford the ticket, could he, to go to the show. So Ed had snuck him in as a helper. And I looked up um, the South of England show, which is I've been to it a couple of times in my youth uh, when I was very little. And uh, the ticket's £21.60. I thought, well, that's someone who can't afford anything, isn't it? No, it was, it was a, a one-off. But some of the Jubilee stuff, the tickets around Gloucestershire were just absolutely astronomical. Ridiculous. What Jubilee stuff was it? Well, all that stuff that I sent you that was going on around... Oh, like dinners and things. It's a pay-to-go, my God. <laughs> that's one of the nice things about living in um, Lewisham. There's always a party going on. There's always a party <laughs> going on, but there's very little bunting. I went to a meeting last night that involved bunting. What the what? Ah. Yeah. I didn't know serial killers use bunting, Kerry. <laughs> the bunting killer. Teddy bunting. <laughs> yeah, the, we're having a street party here, uh, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. So I thought I'd try and do my bit and went to an organisational meeting at a neighbour's house. And uh, we sat in the garden drinking wine and someone had bought bunting, to, which we're going to string up across the street from lamppost to lamppost. Who are you going to string up across the street? <laughs> Anyone who doesn't like my pea rugs that I'm going to make for it. <laughs> Kerry stomping around with uh, um, you know, one <laughs> hand holding a tray of pea rugs and the other hand ready to you know, clobber. <laughs> yeah, so I'm getting in the community spirit. When is this event taking place? Not this Sunday, but the Sunday after. Seeing as we've reached the Latvian section of the podcast, um, <laughs> Kerry has an update on last week's controversy where she shamed shamed herself. Yeah, well, it t- turns out my mum doesn't know anything either because she thought he was Latvian as well. <laughs> well, I mean, when I listened to the podcast, I mean, I always thought he was American. Mm. Also, somebody told me he died in a horrible accident or something. I daren't look. Oh God! Was it, it was something really weird, like um, his air conditioning killed him. Oh, it malfunctioned God. and it kind of put fumes into his house. I can't, oh, that rings a bell anyway. Something very <sighs> strange, but he, yeah, it was an untimely death. I just remember there was a very cool photo of him years ago, with him on stage, him and John Macaron on guitar and Steven Tyler on vocals. I think they went on stage mm-hmm. with Aerosmith. So he was a bit of a party boy, I think. I think he was, uh, I've just looked he was it considered up. to be a lost talent. Vetus Garolitis was last seen walking the streets of Brighton with a freshly purchased Greg's sausage roll. <laughs> a pair of, all that were found were a pair of tennis shoes and a small pool of blood. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, no, apparently it was, it was an, improperly in, properly, an improperly installed pool heater and carbon monoxide. Oh, so you got that bit okay. right. No. no, it's not nice, is it? Not really, no. It's still it's more jolly than the archers, though, isn't it? Yeah, and oh, I bet you, if you where, wherever he is now, if you asked him, would you rather have gone that way or at the hands of Kerry Borbis? He would have said Warbis. Yes, well done, Peter. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Hope, did you think? Speaking of sort of strange deaths, um, there's you know we had the treacherous steps of yore which mm-hmm. have sort of vanished into the distance. What do you think now? That's Chris, isn't it, living in the flat above the shop now? But Yeah, but there's a new thing. Did you hear it? The treacherous rug. No. Where's that? Natasha wants to rip up the carpets, polish the floor and put a rug down. Oh, no. When are you two going to start your 
sort of Frasier to the, uh, the what this is cheers <laughs> kind of sub podcast of dangerous but seemingly benign items. But someone put a really good ancient um, public service broadcast video on from ooh, it's either the seventies or the eighties where treacherous rugs are a thing. So they are, I can say after last weekend, don't do rugs, kids. <laughs> Are we? I think Martin Gibson might be the kind of person who has a treacherous rug. I think you know he. I can very much see him wearing a. What he'll go to Natasha's house? No, I think he's got a syrup on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you know what do you think most likely to wear a wig? Definitely Justin Martin. Um, mm, I think Justin nah. just rode it out, isn't he? Well, no, you're right because a man who's confident enough to wear his famous kind of crush velour purple jumpsuits wouldn't be too faced about a bit. Of, no, Martin, I'm going to go for Martin Gibson. I think he'd be wearing a. a so we mm. this week has been this week has been extraordinary, hasn't it? It's not been the most gripping arches ever. But I'm looking down our our running list. We've we've mm. done Jacob Jacob. Did we talk about the possibility of Denise and Alistair pairing up? I felt we did. Yeah, because we did the Serrano de Bergerac thing, didn't we? But yeah. can you see them together? Do you think, um, you know, at this awards thing, will she take some bod- one of them? Will it be a plus one and she'll have to take one of them and she'll pick the wrong one? And I don't know, there'll be some sort of, oh, it's Alistair, a realisation. Because her husband keeps going cycling away from her. so And... Uh... Jakob mentioned that Kate was busy at a crystals workshop and things are still a bit awkward between them because of Chris and Amy's situation. Mm. So I felt that was a bit fractious as well. So do we have a moment where Denise has to say to Jakob, look, I'm sorry, um, it's so sweet that you feel that way, but I don't feel the same way. And then Jakob in his very abrupt way says, good God, no, what are you talking about? No, I just yeah. use Alistair's words. And suddenly yes. the scales fall from Denise's eyes and she's like, Alistair's the one I want. He's the one I've always wanted. Oh, yeah. if archers, if the archer scriptwriters are listening, can they please give Peter Fickling a job? Because between that and his suggestion that Vince would run into Rory and Julianne in, in a <laughs> late night cocktail bar in Birmingham, that's excellent. I would, yeah. I would, I would be very happy. I would be very happy to um, write the archers. I tell you what, there'd be less cast members. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but even more, even more, if Kerry took over, everyone would be killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, there was a treacherous other thing, other element, flooring oh, element that was mentioned twice. Can you guess which character mentioned a treacherous floor situation that needed fixing twice? David. Yes. Was it something to do with a water pipe? No, he was. that was a different thing. He was sort of up fixing a pipe outside. Only an idiot gets on a roof with David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was quite hopeful at that point. Uh, and Ben was like, oh, you'll have to ask uh, Josh to help you because I'm too busy revising. But, yeah, he's mentioned twice these dodgy slats on the floor. So I'm wor- worrying so about Steph. those as well. <laughs> Sorry, Peter, what did you say? I thought that was Steph. <laughs> a dodgy slat on the floor. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, she's taken the, taken the spare bed, hasn't she? Did either of you two partake in strange uh pregnancy guess the sex of the baby rituals what do you think matthew i don't know the pillow test kerry well 
How does a pillow face in any direction is what I would like to know. What were the rules that if it's facing north, it's what? A, a boy? boy, was it? Yeah. Okay. And if it's south, it's a girl. And then she said, yeah, what if it's east or west? How does your pillow face north or south? The pillow mm. faces up. I'm having a Jacob moment. <laughs> no, no. I'm with you. I'm just wondering what, you know, if any of you had experienced this before, this kind of superstition. Yeah, sort of swizzling your ring round on a (laughs) string um but it did make me think i tweeted a while ago 2021 it was about this is fascinating you know grip the furniture at this but um i was laying in my bed at my brother's house in wakefield and i suddenly had the sensation i was lying in the same direction as i do on my bed at home in brighton and i checked on some maps and i was so I think I am a human compass. It's sort of to do with pillows, isn't it? Are you a DC Universe or Marvel Universe superhero, Kerry? Which one do you think instinctively? <laughs> I know of? nothing about either of those worlds. Compass Woman. Is oh, that's a good one, isn't it? it wouldn't come in useful much, would it? Just giving directions to people. <laughs> I like that. Oh my god! Which way are we going across the Pennines? <laughs> Oh, and then I sort flame. of land with my legs yeah. apart. Yeah, with flat flame, way. Flame red hair billowing in the wind. Well, that way's north. <laughs> Scott, Scott in the Antarctic, Captain Oates, we could have done with you, Kerry, when he made his famous walk. Exactly. Exactly. Shall we, um, shall we pop an advert in and uh, see what they have to say? Yes. Well, guys. I, as I said, I've been through my list and I'm feeling like we have tick, 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 ticked all of the different bits and bobs from this week's Archers. Well, what about, we haven't talked about bruschetta, frittata, tiramisu and Hannah, have we? No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And we would be, yeah. we should be ashamed of ourselves if we don't. Yeah, exactly. After a week of not doing the pod, I kind of felt quite refreshed coming back into it this week. But after listening to the episodes, I did... <laughs> wonder what the hell was going on. I think I wrote what the hell is going on in my notes. <laughs> Do you know, I think Susan and Neil, fair play for thinking we'll have Hannah around. She's looking a bit under the weather. She's got the worries of her mom. They haven't always seen eye to eye, but, you know, they welcomed her, didn't they? And Susan really sort of pushed her culinary boat out. Mm. And re- they really tried hard. And I liked that. Um, yes, there was a lot of carbs, but you know, it was like bread, wasn't it? Oh, when she said, I'll toast my baguette. Um, and then what's the baguette done? Won an award? (laughs) Oh, Matthew, that was terrible. (laughs) Thanks, Gary. She bought the tiramisu from Underwoods. Oh, I just think she made special efforts, and it was really, um, it was really sad that Hannah then had to suddenly leave after all the efforts but bless Susan she just boxed things up didn't she in some Tupperware and uh knew that Hannah was under pressure to go and visit her mum who was having a hard time stepdad got in touch yeah that was sad wasn't it because because Hannah was just about to have a top-up of wine she was getting into a stride Mm. wasn't she Mm. she was um she was waxing lyrical about doing the Camino de Santiago which is in 
in Spain, just north of Porto, as you go over the border, north of Vigo, she also was um, praising Portugal's second best city, Lisbon. <laughs> and um, and also, Su- Susan's correct, you know, in if you're having a Mediterranean evening, you should always have a break before you bring your frittata. <laughs> it's true. What? Is that a euphemism? No. <laughs> Even the owl wasn't a euphemism. Okay. Poor Matthew, it's a boy who cried wolf situation. This is what happens if you hear a year of relentless double entendres. Eventually, everything you say sounds like a double entendre. Yeah, it's a heavy dairy and uh, carb-based dish. You should always have a break before you get out. Uh, you don't have to go all kneel on me. I know. We. I loved it when he said potato omelette. <laughs> he really sort of like de-exoticized the whole situation, didn't he? I loved that. Yeah, I wanted him to hit to break down what a bruschetta was as well. That would have been good, even though she was holding it in her hand. Beans on toast without the beans. <laughs> 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 oh, it was. It was. I liked that scene. It was like they were. They were being generous and warm-hearted, and and I liked it. It was very nice to hear that moment where, and I'm going to get this wrong. <clears> you to correct me, but uh, uh, Hannah said, "Oh, you've got a good one there." And then um, the actor mm. who played Neil really lent into it, and he? he was like, "He's like, she's the best," or something. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, it was. It was. Mm. I was moved anyway because they did have their little rocky patch, didn't they? And and I do. I do have a very soft spot for Neil and Susan. I don't think uh, lasagna has been served in that house since Shula fell off Rolly. <sighs> yeah, mm. that's all died to death, hasn't it? All of that uh, romantic intrigue. The thing that always gets me is that, that that I never, I don't know why, but I never imagined that Shula had a massive ass. And then that was kind of referenced about four mm. times during that whole period was, you know, Susan made <laughs> comments and there was also mm. some comment about you know whether horses spines could continue to take the punishment of her <laughs> prodigious derriere bouncing up and down on top of them um but, well one gave in in the end and didn't it and threw her off but anyway when you say are you sure there wasn't <laughs> kerry saying all that no i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure some people mentioned shula having a big bum oh yeah that's definitely been known as a thing because one someone actually pointed it out to shula didn't they made horrid comments to her yeah about it it was one of those rare moments when shula was quite likable and she kind of laughed it off Mm. um in a sort of very magnanimous and and sort of sweet way but yeah Mm. but anyway i feel dirty saying nice things about shula but anyway so guys um (laughs) so guys if people want to uh join us in our um newfound love of Shula Hebden-Lloyd, um, where should they go? Uh, is Twitter a good place, Kerry? Twitter's a great place, Peter. Yes, thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> um, so subtle. Yeah. Come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, we're at the Cider Shed pod. Uh, please come along and retweet us. And um, we, we have a right old laugh on there. There's a r- good... A bunch of people, a growing bunch of people. Please join us. Um, I'm trying not to sound desperate. I hate selling anything. I would be really shit at it. But yeah, it's there. And Matthew, if people want to tell Kerry off for bullying me on air, um, can they do that on Facebook or Instagram? They can do that on Facebook, um, which there was some debate of last week. But we are a, we have a Facebook group called the Cider Shed Podcast, and we have an Instagram 
which is the same as our Twitter handle, which is the Cider Shed Pod. So I'm I'm coming out of the back of a three-day music festival. I come back into marking loads of tests and end of term, but I will be on it as much as I can as soon as possible. So continue there and I will see you over there. Fantastic. And if you want to drop us an email, it's uh, hello at thesidershed.com and I will try and get back to you in good order. Any suggestions, any um, any comments, very gratefully received. And of course, have we said it yet? Please, please, please do us a lovely review, preferably on Apple. That would be yeah. much appreciated. With so words. We, so are with we all words. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Gary's Sorry, just yelling please. with words, with words. <laughs> please put words. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is I know we've had a few five-star reviews because I can see the numbers going up and we have had a few with words, but not all of them were with words. So it's just really nice to see your comments. Make Kerry happy with words. Say words again, Kerry. Words. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think we can improve on that. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Bye, words. 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 I'm going to say some words now. Bye. I love words. Me too. Hang on.